Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today we're going verse by verse through the book of John. So turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. We're going through the book of John, line upon line, and again, there's a lot of great treasures of God's truth in His Word when we study that way. Somebody might ask the question, well, why? Why would you want to do that? Well, when we really look at what God's Word has to say about life and godliness, it's all here, and that's what we want to do. So John chapter 11, we remember Jesus, He was with His disciples and got word that His friend Lazarus was sick, and the, the the Bible tells us, it says, Lazarus, whom you love, is sick. Now, being loved by God does not exempt us from being ill sometimes. It's just part of, part of this life. We live in a world that's under a curse. We drive by the cemeteries out there, and there's Christians as well as non-Christians that are buried there. But we know someday we're going to have a brand new body, and we're going to be like him, Paul, the apostle tells us. Now, as we look at this today... We pick up the story in verse 45. Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things that Jesus did believed in him. But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things that Jesus did. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered a council and said, What shall we do? For this man works many signs. If we let him alone... Like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and the nation. It's interesting that what they did was self-motivated. I really believe if you're going to be about your father's business, one of the first things you have to eliminate is self-motivation. It's what seems to drive the world. If you're going to get ahead in life, you've got to get out there and push yourself and things like that. Well, here we find that this is what the Pharisees were about. Jesus heals, actually brings Lazarus back to life after he'd been dead for four days. In fact, when Jesus commanded the stone to be rolled away from where they had buried Lazarus, his sisters said, Lord, he's been dead four days. He stinketh. He's he's rotten. Well, we know that Jesus had the stone. They'd rolled the stone away. They were obedient. He called Lazarus forth. Lazarus came out bound in his grave clothes. Well, they loosed him. And a notable miracle had been done. You can't argue with that. Now, what is amazing to me is to some people that see a miracle of God, they go, oh, goody, Jesus is real. This is so cool. And others look and go, I can't do that. Where do they get off doing that kind of stuff? And you'll find in the Bible Miracles hit people one of two ways. It's the old saying, the same sun that hardens, hardens the clay softens the wax. Well, it just depends on your posture, whether you're in the receiving or sending mode, what that miracle is going to do in your life. I know people have come to me and said, you know, if my Aunt Emma could just see a miracle of God, she would immediately believe in Jesus. Well, the problem is with that is that not necessarily. 
Sometimes they will believe, but not always. And certainly in the case here, the more Pharisees saw what Jesus did, the harder their hearts got. In fact, this bringing Lazarus back to life was a pivotal point in the Sanhedrin. There was different people throughout the time that wanted to kill Jesus. But when Jesus brought Lazarus back to life, they wanted to kill him. Now, we always have to realize something. When you see a miracle, undeniable, you know that God is either going to soften a heart or he's going to harden a heart. Now, that hardening depends on the individual. God doesn't harden people's hearts. Somebody said one time, well, what kind of a God is it that hardened Pharaoh's heart and then punished him for it? Well, what did God do to Pharaoh? Showed him miracles. The lice and the flies and the, all the, the plagues that came upon, the ten plagues that came upon the land of Egypt. Well, instead of it softening Pharaoh's heart, it hardened his heart. So really, it's just God is the provider of the miracle. What we do with it is between us and him. Well, noticing this, they said, if we leave him alone, the Romans will come and take away both our place and the nation. It's really funny that they were self-seeking, self-serving. They were more concerned about their position than the power of who Jesus Christ was. I'm always amazed by that because, again, they were cloaking, you might say, their real, their real um, motives. Well, if we don't get rid of this guy, they're going to come take us away. And one of them said, uh, one of them, Caiaphas, being the high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all. Nor do you consider that is it expedient for us that one man should die for the people and not the whole nation should perish. Now this he did not say on his own authority, but being the high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. And not only for the nation only, but also he would gather together in one and the children of God who were scattered abroad. So really Jesus died for everybody. Now it's, it says here that the, the chief priest who was plotting Jesus' death is prophesying. Now friends, this was a great insight here concerning life. And here's what it is. Just because there are miracles doesn't mean that God is condoning what they're doing. Now, we find here, if you look at this, it says, he says that the priests were plotting Jesus' death. And the high priest then blurts out, it's expedient that one person dies for the nation. Yeah, that's right. It is. One person would die for the nation and save the whole world. Well, what's really amazing here is, again, they weren't caring about Jesus. They were caring about saving their own necks. Well, notice here it says that they were plotting his death. And from that day on, they plotted to put him to death. Isn't it amazing how you can have a Bible under your arm and plotting other people's deaths? I've always been amazed by the darkness of a person's heart. How that operates within an individual. And here they were, so to speak, claiming to be God's representatives on earth. They were the priests. And yet they were out to try to kill Jesus. But friends, that isn't all. This was all over Lazarus being raised 
from the dead. Let's fast forward for just a second. Because, uh, again, as we look at this, we find something amazing in verse 10 of chapter 12. Let's go forward just a few verses. But the chief priest took counsel that they might also put Lazarus to death. Because of count of him, many people, many of the Jews, went away and believed in Jesus. You can't have a living example of God's power walking the streets. You've got to not only kill Jesus, but you've got to kill Lazarus as well. What do you think the world wants to do to you and me? You know, you, you love God. You, you're an example. You're a walking, dynamic picture of who Jesus Christ is. You know, people oftentimes will say, well, I, I'd like to share more about Jesus, but I, I don't always know what to tell somebody. Well, you can certainly share with somebody what God's done for you. You're a living example of the power of God. So always remember who God is, how he wants to work in your life. And because of that, he wants to work in other people's lives as well. So he says they wanted to kill Lazarus as well. Again, you can't have a living testimony of the power of Christ walking around. This is why Jesus said, marvel not that the world hates you. They hated me before they hated you. You're just a living example of the power of God. And if I don't always remind myself of that, I can get my feelings hurt because everybody doesn't like me. You ever felt that way? That, well, you know, people should like me. I'm cute. I'm really neat. Well, the Bible here tells us that because the power of God has touched your life, the world doesn't have any use for you. And I believe that's something we always need to remember because, again, you've got to remember the tipping point was the miracle of God in Lazarus' life. Therefore, verse 54, Jesus no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there into the country near the wilderness to a city called Ephraim, and there remained with his disciples. Now, uh, again, Jesus wasn't foolish. He knew that people didn't like him, so he just left from that area. Now, nothing could happen to Jesus until his time has come. But his time had not come yet, so he removed himself from the area of where uh, he knew that he was going to be um, fighting with these guys all the time. Well, verse 55, it says, And the Passover of the Jews was near, and many went from the country up to Jerusalem before Passover to purify themselves. Then they sought Jesus and spoke among themselves when they stood in the temple saying, well, what do you think? That he will not come to the feast? Now, this was kind of almost required for every real Jewish person that you would attend the three major feasts in the Old Testament. And of course, Passover being one of those high holy days, they all were wondering, well, is Jesus going to show up? Now, remember, they knew that if Jesus showed up, that their chances of capturing him would be pretty good. So we find here in verse 57, Now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a command that if anyone knew where he was, they should report it that they might seize him. The Pharisees put a contract out on Christ. That's what this is. If anybody finds him, let's get him. Well, understanding that, um, you know, the power of God is in you, it's in Christ. Nothing happens to you by accident. God has his hand on every one of us in our lives. So the Bible tells us that 
we're pretty much indestructible until our time is fulfilled. You want to be about your dad's business? You want to do that. That's why the Bible says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God wants us to be about our father's business. There's a lot of things in this life that can capture my time. But God wants us to be about his business. Why is that? Because when we're about our father's business, your life is going to mean something in eternity. Eternity may not seem like much today. But you know, when you get to heaven, you're going to be glad you get rewards. And everyone living today is determining what position you will hold in heaven forever. So that's why every day is quite precious. I believe that's why every day that we live our lives for him, we look and say, okay, God, what do you want me to do today for you? You know, it's really funny because oftentimes people like to take and make Christianity the -the glow-in-the-dark experience. You say, what's that mean? Well, okay, God, I want to know your will for my life today. And we look for some kind of, (laughs) some kind of a, a glowing orb to appear over our heads to show us which way to go. But I'm pretty convinced, as I study Scripture, when you give each day to Christ, okay, Jesus, I want to be about your business. You show me what you want me to do for you. The Bible tells us that God opens and closes doors, severally as he wills, to direct us where we're supposed to go. And you know, if God ever closes a door in your life, don't ever get mad at God and say, well, God, I really wanted that, or I I really wanted to go there, and, and that they sold the last ticket, and I'm mad. You just go, Lord, thank you. There's some reason that God closed the door. Now, if you're not a Christian here today, got some interesting news for you. Your life is helter-skelter. And actually, I don't even have to tell you that. You know that. Why is that? Because without Christ in your life, there is no eternal plan for your betterment. That's why when we accept Christ as our Savior, God institutes into our life His purpose. And when we have his purpose in our life, that means every day will mean something in eternity. Again, not just, well, I clicked off another one on the calendar, you know. But actually we go, well, God, thank you that you provided for me a way to have my life mean something forever. And so understanding that, you walk around as a demonstration of the power of God. Lazarus did that as well. Now, you know, We look at that and say, well, Mike, that's really nice about Lazarus being brought back from the dead and everything. But you know what God also does in our lives? He brings back a lot of things in our lives that we thought were dead, lost, and gone forever. Dreadful sorry, Clementine. But we really, we think that. We think, well, I don't see how God will ever be able to ever bring about that desire in my heart that I've had all my life. And you know, you have a miracle-working God that resurrects those dreams and aspirations and things that you would like him to do or what you wanted to see your life become. I believe God has written on the hearts of men his purpose. But what happens is so many disappointments in life. Without Christ in our lives, the things that are happening are not bringing me closer to God. They're driving me away from even wanting to live. So what God does in his love is he says, okay, this is what I'll do. You accept me as Savior. Now my purposes are going to be yours. And we'll find our lives aligning to what he wants. 
bringing back some of those things that were been so dead in our life, they stinketh. Because really, seriously, friends, we didn't think there would be any way God would ever restore, rebuild us. But God has a way of doing that. Now, how does he do it? I don't know. I think there's a lot of times people want to go to the Christian bookstores and get a book on how does God do it? I love formulas. You do this and you do this and you do this and then God will do this. What I found is that God goes, you know what I think? He completely undoes every way that we think he's going to do it to show us that he's God and he's not limited to my way of solving an issue. Sometimes when I pray, I say, okay, God, I need you to do this. I need you to do that. And in my mind, I got all figured out how God's going to do it. And then God answers the prayer, but he doesn't do it any way that I thought. Why? Because God's got a lot bigger plan than I do. God's got a lot bigger plan than you do. And so letting God be God is the greatest thing that we can do in our life as a Christian. If you're not a Christian, this is why a lot of people don't want to turn their life over to Christ because they think God's going to do something in their life that they don't like. What I found, if God ever takes anything out of my life that, that I like, it's only because it was the imitation and God wants to give me the real thing. We only have so much ability or room to contain. Many of your garages at home are like this. Many of your closets in your hallway are like this. You only have so much room to put stuff in your hallway closet. Well, God says, let's clean that out so you can put good stuff in your closet. No, I like the old stuff. I like the stuff that doesn't really mean anything. And God says, but that's not going to help you in the days to come. I want to give you things, resources and abilities and and things like that that are going to mean something in eternity. And that you'll be able to use tomorrow. But God, no, I'm holding on to this imitation ice cream because it's... I, I, you know, I've shared this before. I went to the store and I saw something that really troubled me. First of all, you have ice cream. We know what that is. Good stuff. But they have ice cream. Well, actually, if, you, if you're on the food chain of ice cream, there is all natural ice cream. That means it doesn't have, you know, uh, uh, taping mud in it and clay dough and all kinds of other stuff. You have organic ice cream. That's like the best. Then you have ice cream. Then you have ice milk. And then you have imitation ice milk, which I have no clue what that is. Imitation ice milk. It's not even sort of kind of real. Now, when I look at that, I realize that most of our lives, before we come to Christ, we're content with imitation ice milk. I am very happy with this plastic imitation of whatever it is that I'm really looking for in my life. And then God gives us a taste of the real. You see, for the first time in your life, you had a real God. You didn't have a God of this world that would perform for a little while, wear out, and then you had to go find something else. You got a real God now in your life, which then changes what really in our lives we begin to look for. What do I want to see in my life? I want to see real things. I don't want to just see a temporary patch up of of an issue in my life. I want to see it resolved. Only God is the issue resolver. And so a lot of people will go all over the place to try to find the answer to the question. You'll, you'll see the Ann Landers columns and the, uh, you know, all these different 
self-help things. They, they even offer them in colleges and, and different things. The, the problem is it never solves the problem. Why is that? Because at very best, Ann Landers or any other person that's talking to you do not understand all the ingredients in your life that make you, you. You're unique. God never had anybody on this earth like you ever before. They'll never be like anybody like you after you leave. You're unique. And because you're unique, you have issues in your life that surround you that, by the way, friends, help make you, you. But see, God knows how to wade through those things that have happened to you in your life that either he can take and make it for your glory or for his glory. But without Christ in your life, it seems that those things continue to beat us up. Our past beats us silly. You think about it for a minute. We need to be healed. Now we talked about, again, Jesus healing Lazarus who had been dead. For four days. Mary and Martha's last thoughts in the world would they ever see their brother alive again. In fact, they even told Jesus that. They said, if you, both Mary and Martha both said that. Two separate occasions. They said, Lord, if you'd have been here, our brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus said, he'll live again. And she says, oh, I know, Lord, in the resurrection. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? He asked her. And that's the question. Do you believe this? For every one of us that are Christians, I got to remind myself as a Christian, hey, God wants to rekindle things in our lives. He wants to heal things in our lives that were dead. God has a way of fixing what's wrong. Thank you for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com slash it's time. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thank you for listening and tune in next time for It's Time.